Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. This is episode number four, the mid-month episode for November 2015. Of course, I have to begin by saying a huge thank you to everyone who has subscribed and downloaded and and shared and supported this show. I released the first three episodes just a couple weeks ago, and your kind words of support have meant so much. It's been a, a really exciting time. And so thank you to people like Paula from Tampa, who used Facebook to invite friends at her church to check out the show. Thank you as well to UF Bobby for his review of the show in the iTunes store. He said he felt like the podcast has a lot of potential, and I really appreciate that, Bobby. We've got some awesome interviews coming up in the next couple of months, and I think you're really going to enjoy them. So now let's turn to what is certainly going to be my favorite part of these mid-month episodes, and that's getting your feedback on previous shows. You know, I learn a lot just doing the interviews and putting the episodes together, but the whole reason I do these mid-month episodes is not just to reflect on them, but to give you a chance to join the conversation. So you can send in your feedback through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at the username Art of the Sermon, or you can comment on show notes at artofthesermon.com. I always love hearing what you think. Maybe there's some perspectives we miss that you can help fill in, or maybe you have some practical ideas or tips related to the conversation. You can send them in anytime, and I'd love to get them in the show. After listening to episode one and the interview with Reverend McGray de Vega on Advent, Roy wrote in on Facebook and said he felt like this conversation could benefit anyone, not just preachers. He wrote, I believe any Christian will find value in the insights and encouragement it provides for us to more fully appreciate and experience the Advent season. And I have to say, I totally agree. In general, I want this show to really help preachers, teachers, and communicators, but it would be awesome if it has value for other people as well. And a really great example of that was episode three in our conversation with Reverend Chad Brooks on productivity and preaching. Now, Chad shared practical productivity tips related to his own process for preaching, but these tips are completely transferable to all kinds of work, both inside and outside the church, and that's really what I'm shooting for. And jumping back specifically to our conversation with McGray, he's such a great communicator with a heart for people from all walks of life, and so when he talks about preaching, it's clear that it's not just about himself and what he wants wants to do. It's so much more about what he feels God wants to do in and through him and in and through his church community and the wider community as a whole. So it really doesn't surprise me that when you listen to this conversation, you feel like he can talk about Advent in a way that both challenges fellow pastors as well as lay people. Because really, the temptation and the challenges of Advent that he identified are very similar for pastors as well as their congregations, small group leaders as well as their small groups. Because the question for all of us is this, are we going to give the season of Advent the time and the focus it needs to be transformative in our lives, or are we just going to rush right to Christmas? There's this pressure, both inside and outside the church, to overschedule and to stress out and to rush the season. But that's the complete opposite of the heart of Advent. It takes hard work to keep the focus where it needs to be, and it takes hard work to keep the season fresh. It comes around every single year, and because we tend to overschedule and because we tend to stress out, the easiest thing is to just open up the file cabinet, either the the physical one beside your desk or the file cabinet on your computer, and pull out something you've done in the past. Now, that's not the worst thing in the world, but it can certainly fall flat when there's no contextualization. Just because it worked at your last church or in another small group doesn't mean it's going to work here. 
And even if the location is the same, as McGray pointed out, we're different people this year than we were last year or whenever it was you did that before. So we don't have to take just place but also time into consideration. And we keep things fresh by paying attention to who we are now as individuals and as a community. And speaking of keeping it fresh, when I asked McGray about keeping up with all of his writing and speaking and preaching responsibilities, he told this really cool story about spending a week with Eugene Peterson, and that was our deleted scene in episode two. Peterson, of course, is a a well-published author, including being the writer behind the message paraphrase of the Bible, and he talked to McGray about the importance of writing as a discipline, and it's regular writing, not the goal of being a published author, but regular writing that helps us reflect critically organize our thoughts, and learn how to use our words to communicate those thoughts clearly. He called us a caretaker of words. And this discipline not only helps us become better communicators, but it helps us become better pastors. It helps us become better leaders. It helps us become better husbands and wives and daughters and sons and friends, better members of community, because we learn how to connect with one another. And in response to that clip, Drew commented on the show notes, and he wrote, I really appreciated McGray's distinction between being an author and a writer, as well as the impact that improving my writing skills can have on my preaching and vice versa. As an associate pastor who does not preach every week, I had not made the connection that keeping up on my blog or maintaining a better discipline of writing could also help my preaching to not get rusty. I have to say, Drew, I am completely with you on this. I was in your shoes for a handful of years, and I wish someone had told me this, or if they did, I wish I had uh, paid attention. As I shared in the conversation with McGray, for me, the rustiness was not necessarily in the delivery, the physical act of preaching, but it was in the discipline of focus. I would frequently preach for way too long during those years because I was both trying to get out everything I had learned and thought about in between because I had no other outlets, but I'd also lost the practice and discipline of focus, which is something that writing on a regular basis certainly teaches us. And this transitions well into reflecting on our conversation with Reverend Chad Brooks from episode three. As the host of the Productive Pastor podcast, I invited him to come on by and talk about the productivity challenges that we face. And his mind, the number one challenge plagues not just preachers, but churches and leaders in general. And that challenge is having laser-like focus on what is ultimately important. And as I reflected on this, it made me think of going grocery shopping. You know, the times that I go with a list and a plan, I'm super efficient. I'm in and I'm out and I'm focused and I get everything I need and nothing more. But those times that I go and I think I'll just browse around, those are the trips that end up taking forever. And I'll just wander around the aisles, reading packages of things I know I'm never going to buy, Googling fruits I've never heard of. It, It never fails. Not only do I waste a ton of time, but I also end up buying a bunch of stuff I don't actually need. And of course, we all know that it's even worse when you're hungry. And Chad's point was that without priorities and without goals and without plans, we're like me wandering around the grocery store. We open ourselves up to distractions and we open ourselves up to losing a ton of time. And specifically with preaching, he talks about how he likes to begin the sermon prep process with an end goal in mind, usually a big idea that people can really grab onto and remember. And I was getting ready to ask him whether he felt like having that end goal in mind before he started would lead him to only see what he wanted to see. But as he went on, He expanded, and he specifically mentioned that he's always open to the idea changing in the course of preparation. So the feeling I got was not that he pre-writes the sermon per se, but rather he decides to start heading in one particular direction rather than aimless wandering. And while aimless wandering can certainly be helpful for some people, it's just a time killer for him. 
And you can definitely tell that he takes preparation seriously. I was completely amazed, not necessarily at the research and writing time he spends, but the amount of time that he devotes to actually practicing the delivery. The number of times that he runs through his sermons really helps internalize it for him. And it was really funny. He said that if he, he doesn't take that amount of time and preparation, he's really prone to tangents and rabbit trails. And a lot of people said that their favorite moment from the interview, including Isaac, who wrote on Facebook that he laughed out loud at this moment, it was when Chad said that if he's unprepared, it's virtually guaranteed he's going to end up talking about Bigfoot. Well, for me, from the conversation, the most helpful tip Chad had was knowing your own rhythm of focus and energy so that you can do the right kind of work at the right time. So for him, he does what he calls his hustle stuff in the morning when his energy is up, and he does the reading and the thinking and the writing of sermon prep in the afternoon while he's a little more contemplative and able to focus. This is so valuable because it's not just the amount of time that we throw at a task, but it's the quality of that time. It's a complete waste for me to do mindless tasks like paperwork first thing in the morning because I'm a morning person. If you're one of those people who's more of a slow starter, then go for it. Use that paperwork to get going. But I know for me personally, if I waste my time and energy and focused in the morning doing the paperwork and save sermon writing till later in the afternoon, those are the days that I just stare at that blank page with the cursor one wondering where all my thoughts have gone. And this connects with his point about priorities and remembering what's important. I constantly fall prey to what they call the tyranny of the urgent. Paperwork that has a due date on it tends to be the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning and the first thing when I sit down at my desk. And that's how I end up doing it first. Even if there's plenty of time later in the day, that due date is screaming at me. So one of the things I'm trying to do better is intentionally plan not just my to-do list for the day or the week, but scheduling it out well so that I'm matching up my ideal times with ideal tasks. Now, of course, if you're in any type of ministry or leadership, chances are very good that things are going to crop up unannounced. So there's always those days and weeks where you look at your schedule and laugh thinking, that would have been nice. David Cadavy from Design for Hackers writes on his blog that perhaps a better term for time management is mind management. He proposes three basic questions, the first two of which are pretty obvious. What kind of of work do I need to do right now? And what kind of mental state am I in right now? But as we said, there are times when those aren't always going to match up, even if we've planned ahead. So he offers up a third question. Is there something I can do to get myself into the right mental state? If we become more aware of how our brain works, more aware of how we feel and find ways to prepare ourselves for specific types of work, we might be able to create a more conducive mental environment. He gives a couple of really great tips in the rest of the post, so I'll link to it in the show notes. When I asked Chad about productivity tools, he shared that he's a big fan of Evernote, and I am as well. It can really serve like a digital filing cabinet, a place to just put things you don't want to forget. So I'm a huge fan of the web clipper in my web browser and that little share button on my phone. So if I come across a blog post or an article or, or something that I want to come back to later and maybe don't have time for now, I can just send it on over to my Evernote inbox and know that I'm not going to forget about it. I can come back to it later. I also personally am a big user of a to-do list program called Things. I like it because it's a little more robust than just a list, but it's not as complicated as some of the really big programs out there. Of course, you'll maybe want to try free trials of some of them and see what level of program you like. I like it because I can organize things into projects, I can give them tags, and I can also place them in areas of responsibility, and that's really enough for me. I don't work with a big team or anything. And on my blog last week, I shared a video that a friend of mine had put together showing how he uses his 
his to-do list program called Nosby to stay on top of his preaching, his church announcements, and his pastoral care responsibilities. So I'll put a link to that video in the show notes, and I encourage you to check it out because it's a great walkthrough of the program. But even if you use a different program, you can apply a lot of the techniques that he uses to whatever program you're using. And speaking of what you use, I would love to hear what apps or systems or tricks you use to keep your sermon planning process focused and effective. Are you an Evernote user as well? Do you maybe keep a Pinterest board to gather visuals and illustrations? Or do you do it the old-fashioned way, the good old pen and paper? Well, I would love to know. So write in, and I'll be sure to share what you all recommend in a later episode. Well, now it's time to check out our deleted scene from my conversation with Reverend Chad Brooks. Early in the conversation, we discovered that we'd both previously worked in college campus ministry. And one of the big challenges I always felt like we faced was helping college students connect to a local church during and after their time in college. And so Chad responded by sharing what they do at Foundry, his new church start, to include college students. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take a little side tangent here. Uh, as the listeners may or may not know, I also worked in campus ministry for about six years on the pastoral side. And one of the things that we noticed, all of us together, all the campus ministers in Florida, noticed this big disconnect that you would get students really excited uh, about churches and, and a, even specifically sort of the United Methodist approach to church through our campus ministries. But then it would almost be like this broken pipe to the local church that once they graduated, they would go and check out a couple places that were totally not for them. And it was difficult at times to see that exodus. Yeah. And we've been pretty intentional about, we probably have about 30 Wesley Foundation students and college kids that are part of Foundry. And we've been pretty intentional about uh, giving them a church experience that's appropriate for college, but also that trains them for after college and trains them for what life is like and what, what, what the, what's a church life is like once you get out of school and you, in theory, grow up. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's what we realized is that the fault was on sort of both sides of that disconnect there. You know, the churches that want to put the college student directly in the nursery because you're good with kids yeah. and, and then you're never in the worship service. But it's also on, on yeah. our side to prepare them for what it looks like to to have the confidence and to take the leadership role and be active. So, yeah, absolutely. Now I realize that was kind of a short clip and I did most of the talking, but still I feel like what Chad shared was really valuable because they take an intentional and active role in including college students in his church. He also says he intentionally prepares them for life in the church after college. Now not every college student and young adult that comes to your church is going to want to jump right into volunteering or leadership, but there's a good chance that they were active in some form of practical ministry where they were if they attended church while they were in college. At the campus ministry where I served, we had a very large leadership team, and there were even committees beyond that. So, for example, I was part of a worship planning team. It involved the lead pastor, myself, and then four to six college students, many of whom served on the committee for at least a year, if not longer. So when a college student or young adult like that gets to your church, don't just ask them where they're from or what they studied. Ask them about their experiences at their campus ministry or their college church if they went to one. You might find that they have experience with or a passion for something that can really help Help your church or maybe help them connect to the church. And that's certainly one of the number one keys if you want to keep young adults coming, connected, and growing in your church. Thank you so much for joining me for episode four of Art of the Sermon. 
You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show. And as you heard in this episode, I want your thoughts to be a part of the conversation. And don't forget, send me your preaching productivity tools and tricks. You can send that feedback through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. And if you'd like to support the show, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or your favorite podcast app. That way, new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and you want other people to find it. Our next episode is scheduled to go live on December 1st, so in just two weeks, you'll get to hear an interview with Reverend Rob McCoy and Reverend Eric Fissler, the hosts behind the Pulpit Fiction Podcast. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.